Get your Bibles out with me, please. Let me see where my sermon is. And I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to get over there, then I'm going to read another scripture. stick you in here. And then I'm going to read Proverbs 29.2. So if you want to put Proverbs 29.2 on the screen, you may. Let me tell you about this sermon, where it came from. The Lord's been dealing with me for about a month now to preach what I'm about to preach. And I've avoided him with everything that I have. Because there's, there's, there's always room for someone to disagree or to not understand. That's par for the course. But the Lord began to deal with me strongly about to talk about the elections that are coming up. The elections that we're entering into will make or break America. We're in a war for righteousness. Now you listen to me very carefully. This, war, this election has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with race. And I know that that's been pushed from the news media. Uh, you need to understand that the devil often talks to you out of the television. A lot. And there's just issues that we need to talk about in church. We just need to talk about them. There's a difference between right and wrong. And, there are, and, and there's a scripture that says that Satan has come down, he knows his time is short. He's running out of time. And I think because of that, we need to start being wise. We're in a war for the soul of America. All right, I'm going to read a scripture. It says in Proverbs 29, 2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked man rules, the people groan. This election that we're in right now is about right versus wrong. That's all that it's about. It's not about skin, it's about sin. September the 22nd, Kenneth Copeland is going to be doing something on the elections. I highly recommend you watch them. Get educated on what's happening. They're going to talk about everything from um, platforms to racism to... You name it, they're going to get on there. They're going to discuss all these issues. And we need to hear this. We need to be a part of what God is doing in the earth. Ignorance is not bliss. It'll cost you. So I want to read a scripture to you that the Lord dealt with me. And I got to tell you that my sermon that I had for today is laying at home on the couch, ready to be preached at some future date. But all day yesterday, I kept praying about it, and I got nowhere. You know, God doesn't use, I don't know how other preachers get sermons. I have no idea how, what they do. But if I don't get a piece on something, I can't leave the room until I've prayed it out. And I prayed and prayed, and the Lord started talking to me about it and showing me, and it's not his fault, because sometimes I just turn him off, because I've already got my sermon. Come on, y'all don't shout me down. For to start another one Saturday afternoon is like a lot of work. Well, last night before I went to bed, he started talking to me about something, and I finally just said, okay, and I took down a no two or three notes, and I said, if that's the way you want to go. 
Five in the morning, he woke me up. Just cold, wake up. Get up and go in your room and let's talk. I went, yes, sir. Now, you got to understand, if you can't sleep, you might as well pray. I like to sleep. He gives his beloved sleep, but when you're not doing what he told you to do, you ain't sleeping. So I'll probably have a good nap this afternoon. But he said this to me. He says, I want you to preach on this, and I want you to do what I've asked you to do. So I'm, I'm going to pray right now, and, 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 and I'm going to ask him to bless this. I'm going to ask him to open up our hearts to hear what the Word of God is saying. Amen. Father, we're living in a time in America right now that the enemy has attacked this great nation and the church. There's people who don't understand the fight we're in. But I'm asking you to open up their, their ears and their heart to understand what's happening in America, what's really happening in America, and what we as a church can do about it. Because I believe that our best days as a church and the churches in this nation are ahead. I believe personally the greatest revival we've ever entered into is ahead of us. But I realize that Satan knows his time is short and he's working overtime. And I'm going to ask you to use me today to speak your, your truth in love. In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful and unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people, turn away. Now, I want to read one more scripture, and it's not going to come up on the screen. Just, just bear with me. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. For there is a time coming when people will no longer endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires... Because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers. They will turn their ears from truth and be turned to fables. You be watchful in all things. You endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. You fulfill your ministry. Paul's writing to Timothy. Let's go back and let's read this, 2 Timothy 3, in the New American Standard. It says, they will be unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Look at the New Living Translation. It says, they will be unloving, unforgiving, slander others, have no self-control, cruel, no interest in what's good. They'll betray their friends, be reckless, be pulled, be puffed up with pride, love pleasure rather than God. They will act as if they are religious. But they will reject the power that could make them godly. You must stay away from people like that. Now that's out of the word of God. Is that okay to read out of the Bible in the church? I got to make sure it is okay. I want you to go to Matthew 7, 1. And as we do, I want you to put up something on the screen. Because I want to show you something. I want, I want you to see this. Put the, there's, a, there's a video by Kenneth Copeland. I want to talk to you about the platforms of what's happening in America today. Before I say this, listen to me very carefully. The platform is not something I wrote. 
It's not something you wrote. It's something that the people who wrote it believe. Now, whether you agree or not, to be in that party means you agree with that platform. Now, you got to stop and think about that. We're not, talking, we're not talking about individual people. We're talking about what they said they believe. Now, I'm neither pro-Democrat nor Republican. I'm very pro-Jesus. I am, I'm going to tell you what I call myself. I'm a constitutional Christian conservative. That's what I call myself. That's, there's no platform for that. But now I'm a registered Republican. Here's why. The Republican Party is the only one that allows Christians in it. The Democratic Party has said verbally, they don't want God and they don't want him in. They've actually verbally said that. Now, there may be people in here, you're registered Democrats. We're not picking on your heart. But I'm going to read to you what the Democrats say they are. Are you all okay with this? All right, because you can't go through life anymore being ignorant that, that there are people in high places with the sole purpose of using you to overthrow America and bring in a new world order. If you don't know that, shame on you that you are ignorant. Shame on you. There's no reason for you to stay ignorant of what's going on, what's happening in America. Because there are very, very corrupt people. In high places. Go ahead and pop that on the screen for me. Um, turn the volume up. I want you to see this. And remember, this I didn't write this. boring, but they're important. Every four years, Democrats and Republicans gather, and each writes a document to establish how they will govern. That document is called a platform. It's a big deal because the platform defines what the parties believe and the policies they will pursue. Sure, there are times when politicians don't vote with their respective party platforms. Republicans vote with theirs nearly nine-tenths of the time. Democrats, nearly three-quarters. A very large amount of the time, what you see in the platform is what you get with your politician. So, let's take a look at the platforms. On our first freedom, the freedom of religion, the Democrat platform is silent on the right of Americans to live according to their beliefs outside the walls of their churches and places of worship. The GOP platform affirms the rights of conscience for all, and for the first time, the platform calls for a repeal of the 1954 Johnson Amendment, which effectively silenced churches on issues deemed political. On life, Democrats, for the first time, call for the federal government to force taxpayers to fund elective abortion. Democrats believe unequivocally that every woman should have access to safe and legal abortion, and to fund this access, their platform calls for repealing the Hyde Amendment. Republicans support an end to abortion and the funding of abortion, and the GOP supports a human life amendment to the Constitution. On marriage, Democrats embrace the redefinition of marriage, stating LGBT people have the right to marry the person they love. Republicans believe the cornerstone of society is natural marriage, the union of one man and one woman. On judicial appointments, Democrats promise to appoint judges who protect a woman's right to abortion and see the Constitution as a blueprint for progress. Republicans support judges who respect traditional family values and the sanctity of innocent human life. They seek to enable courts to begin to reverse the long line of activist decisions. 
on school choice, Democrats offer no support for families who want private or faith-based schooling for their children. The GOP platform supports homeschooling, private or parochial schools, and vouchers. These things matter. And that little R and that little D next to a candidate's name, that says a lot. The parties are telling you what they will do. The question is, now that you know, what will you do? Okay. Now remember this. Don't walk out of here today and get mad at me. You can go online and you can check out what they say they believe. All right, now we're going to find out in a minute what does the Bible say. I have this right here put out by the Frederick Douglass Foundation. Actually, everybody in this foundation is African American. They're all Republicans, too. Ben Carson's Republican. Um, most godly black men are in America today. Let me name some more names. Avita King is Republican. Martin Luther King was, Jr. was Republican. Herman Cain, which I've been listening to lately, Powerful man, ran for president, Republican. He has a talk show in Atlanta, Georgia. And, and we, need, we need to avail ourselves to these people who are speaking. What are they saying and why are they saying it? Now, this is going to be very tiny print, and I can't, I, I wish I could get this bigger. The Republican Party in America was begun. The reason it was started was to stop slavery. And Abraham Lincoln was the very first Republican president the United States ever had. The Democratic Party has always been against pro-slavery, always, and it still is. Okay. But, but, but see, if you watch the news, uh, that's not what you're hearing. But you need to understand there's a difference in what they're saying and, and what they're doing with your money. All right. Now, I don't have time to go in this. Um, in 1847, Republican former slave Frederick Douglass published the first abolitionist newspaper, the North Stall, with the slogan, right is of no sex, truth is no color, and God is the father of us all. In 1854, Congress passed the Kansas-Nebraska Act, expending slavery into new territories, nullifying the Missouri Compromise. The new party emerges to abolish slavery called the Republican Party, 1854. 1857, the Supreme Court rules in Dred Scott decision that black people are just property and can be sold, traded, killed because they have no constitutional rights. That's the Dred Scott decision. In 1861 through 65, the American Civil War erupts between the Union, 23, and five border states and the Confederate slave states, and 600,000 people died in that war. In um, 1862, Republican President Abraham Lincoln issues an Emancipation Proclamation freeing thousands in D.C. and three to four million slaves in the states at war with the Union. In 1863, the radical Republicans took over the Southern legislature to reform former Confederate governments to ensure the protection and civil rights of black Americans. This is put out by, by the Frederick Douglass Foundation. This paper's put out by African Americans. This is not a white conspiracy theory. Okay? All right. Um, 
1868, Republicans introduced and passed the 14th Amendment, giving former slave citizens and barring states from depriving anyone of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. The Democrats voted unanimously against that. In 1870, the Republicans introduced and passed the 15th Amendment, prohibiting government from preventing any citizen from voting based on color, race, or previous uh, condition or servanthood. House Democrats voted unanimously against that bill. In 1866, Republicans introduced and passed every civil rights bill unanimously voted against by Democrats. And this included all the civil rights acts of 1871 called the Ku, the Ku Klux Klan Act. They voted to stop the violence. In 1870 through 1877, every black congressional member was a Republican. In 1920, introduced by Republican Aaron Sargent, 1887, the 19th Amendment, giving women the right to vote. In 1918 and 1924, Republican Dyer introduced anti-lynching bills, voted pass in the House, Dems 100% were against that bill. In 1890 to 1965, black codes, the Jim Crow laws, were passed by Democrats to suppress the constitutional rights of blacks, such as separate but eagle laws and anti-laws and poll taxes and literacy tests. In 1957, 1960, 64, 65, and 68, the Civil Rights Acts of 1957, voting rights, voting rights based on civil rights, voting rights based on civil rights, Kept, and GOP pushed that bill through Congress against the Democrats. What changed? Nothing. Nothing's changed. Somewhere in the late 70s and 60s, and I have a video, and I don't know whether I'll have time to get into it today, put out by um, Prager University, a black lady, explaining what happened in the South but the Republicans, the South is primarily Republican now, no longer Democrat. The reason for that is that white people stopped voting against blacks and the South became primarily Republican. Now, I'm going to say something to, you, to the people in this church. I know most of the people in this church. We don't have race. We don't have any racism in this church. There isn't any. I mean, I know the people in this church. They love Everybody in this church, black and white. Do I know some white racist? I do. Do I know some black racist? I do. But I can't, you know, I'm going to do my best to help what I can and minister what I can, preach the word of God and do what I can to keep the body of Christ strong. But I think it's time for you to realize that we have, we're in a war in this nation against immorality. Now listen to me, there is a white supremacy group in the world. I'll tell you where it is. It's in Europe. They're pushing for a one world government. They're called progressives, stupid. Man, I mean, I, I just want to someday sit down with some people and go, what in the world are you guys thinking? Is this too strong for y'all? We have a platform that's 100% anti-Bible, anti-God, anti-Christian. 
Now, what about the Republicans? Well, there's some numb nuts in there too. Let me just tell you something. And we'll just get the Dems straightened out and then we'll go after the Republicans after we get to do with them. Go with me to Matthew 7 like I asked you to go. Let's talk, about, let's talk about right versus wrong now. Are you all okay? Whether you are or not, I got you for an hour. You, I'll let you go after that. I got an email from a girl the other day. It actually came through Lisa's phone. And this girl used to go to this church, and I'm not going to name her name. It, it, that's, that's not proper. I wouldn't do that. Somehow or another, she must have posted something, and I must have unfollowed her. And she didn't really like it very much. If you get on my Facebook and you start, you get vulgar, I'll unfollow you. You can have a difference of opinion, but you go nasty, I'll unfollow you. So she writes me an email, and this is what she says to me. That's awesome that you can't even give me a proper, mature response to why you think you're allowed to have an opinion on someone like me, marrying someone I love just because it happens to be a woman. Uh, there's a girl who apparently has married a woman. Now, I didn't know she married a woman. I never know anything about this until she wrote me. There's a reason I'm doing that. I'm not picking on her. I have a reason. I'm doing this for a reason. Good job just deleting my post. I don't know how to delete a post. So I didn't delete her post. I don't know what happened here, but I didn't delete it. I get it. You have freedom of speech and can spread the word of God. But God forbid someone has a different opinion that they would like to share and in a respectful way, I might add. I don't think your God, so apparently her God and my God are different, would appreciate how judgmental you are against the gay community. That's all I've got to say on that. Have a good day, Pastor D. Okay. What, what got me was that's not the first time that I've ever read that rhetoric. And it comes down to this fact, what is judgmentalism? What does it mean to be judgmental? And do we as Christians have a right to judge one another? Yes, yes we do. Yes, we most certainly do. So I'm going to read to you what the Bible says and, and, and help this young lady. But I'm helping her. You know, she's not listening to me. I understand that. But I want to help you because... Because it's time that the church spoke up and started dealing with issues of right and wrong and morality, guys. We've got to deal with what's wrong with this nation. And we've got to start being vocal. And I'm going to show you what Jesus had to say about that. So in Matthew 7, 1, it says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Is Jesus telling you not to judge one another? No, he's not. The Greek word there is condemn not that you be not condemned or damn not that you're not damned. Now, the, the Bible condemns us condemning people. That's wrong, folks. I am not God and you're not God and we do not have the right to play God and run around deciding whether someone should be eliminated or not. 
So I'm going to explain to you the difference between judgment and condemnation. We're going to read some condemnation scriptures. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no damnation or condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Jesus took your condemnation. But God still judges you. That's not condemnation. They're not the same word. Condemnation, when a girl is ice skating and she falls, there's judges that have those little numbers, six, seven, eight, and they're judging her. But when she falls, they're not taking her out back and killing her. The word condemnation means to cast someone out of your presence as worthless. We don't have that right to do that whether you're gay or not. Because God loves that person and he esteems that person valuable. But what about what they're doing? Do we have that right? All right, let's back up and look at condemnation one more time. Go to John 3.16. Because I need to show you this. This I don't know how many times I've heard this. Don't you judge me, Lizzie. Now, that's off of Pride and Prejudice, in case you didn't understand the movie. It's one of the few, that's one of the few chick flicks Lisa watches that I like is Pride and Prejudice. It actually has some substance in that movie, you know. Amen. All right, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world. The world through him might be saved. Why is that? Because he'd had to damn us all. And there's nobody on the planet that's worthy of heaven. There, he couldn't condemn us, so he came to save us. He came to take our place. So it says there is, all right, let's read this. Let me read it. God didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world. He that believes in him, in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is de- condemned already. Look at that. Read it on the the scripture. When is a person damned? Right now. When Jesus rose from the dead, everybody outside of Jesus is already under damnation, already under condemnation. That's the reason why when you walk into a room full of self-righteous people, you have to preach law. Because they don't know they're sinners. You've got to show them. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever, well, then you go into hell. So you preach law to show people that they need a Savior. And when you get self-righteous, you need to come back and realize you need a Savior. But now the law could not save you. Only the blood of Jesus could save you. But the world right now, outside of this church, outside 80% of the people in the United States of America are not saved. When they die today, they're going to hell. That's a bigger problem than anything else we're facing in America today. And it doesn't seem like anybody's concerned about the fact that everybody's going to hell, just whether they have a paycheck on the way there. Thing, there are things that are a little bit more important. And we need to get back to what's important. In the world, 90% of the people are not born again outside of the United States of America. Now, I'm going by the stat. I went one day and did all this studying, and I, tried, I did my best to eliminate a bunch of religious people, and, and that's the numbers. Now, if they're a little higher, then forgive me, but the fact is it's not very good. Okay. So let me finish reading this so you'll get it. He that believes in him is not damned. He that does not believe is damned already because 
He smokes dope, drinks beer, chases wild women. No. Because he's believed in, he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the light, and this is the condemnation. Light came in the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who practices evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. He who does not, he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen, they are seen in God. So there is condemnation and there is judgment. Now, condemnation, what we call hellfire and damnation preaching, really was not hellfire and damnation preaching. It was, it was really preachers standing up preaching that people should live right. And they stopped doing it because people got tired of hearing they need to live right. And people vote with their pocketbooks. And if you don't like a sermon, if you don't like this sermon, I'll guarantee you we won't see you next Sunday because you're going to vote. But you're rejecting the word, not me, and I'm over it. I don't, you believe me, you, I've, we've lost better people than you, so don't worry about it. But, but America is in the mess that it's in today because the pastors quit preaching the word. Started tickling everybody's ears. Well, you know, come to Jesus. Just, it's all been pizza and ice cream. And nobody wants a little, little meat and veggies on their plate. When my boys didn't eat their veggies for dinner, they had them for breakfast. Ask them how often they fell asleep in their green beans and they had green beans for breakfast. We didn't pull that stuff. Mama didn't cook three meals for three different boys. And I ain't cooking up an old meal just because you don't eat it. <laughs> anyway, hallelujah. Well, how'd I get off on all that? Go to Matthew 7. I think it's Matthew 7. I don't know where I got this, this scripture. I'm going to look at something right here. I think. Y'all hold on a minute because I, I wrote my notes at 5 in the morning. So have a little. Yeah, go to, go, go, go to. Go to John 7, 22. Is it right to judge? I'm going to show you that it is. I'm going to show you that it is right to judge. But we're not judging people. If there is no judgment, you have chaos. We have, we have people in this church that are either police officers or working to be a police officer. When a policeman pulls you over and they write you a ticket, that's judgment. If they shoot you, that's condemnation. They're not allowed to condemn you, but they can write you a share revenue coupon all day long. Why are they there? It's to keep the streets safe. If there's no judgment in the body of Christ, then America will no longer be safe. And we're losing it now. It's not safe to get out of your house. It's not safe to walk your streets. As a matter of fact, when we get home, I go in first with my hand on my gun in my house. And it wasn't that way 10 or 15, 20 years ago. And our kids don't go trick-or-treating anymore. Because it's no longer safe. Now let's read what Jesus said. Matthew, John 7. 
22. Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that it was from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcised a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Jesus says, don't you judge by appearance, but I expect you to judge righteously. When something's wrong, call it wrong. It's wrong. All right. The, the problem with this young lady is I didn't judge her. I did send her a scripture. Why? Because I love her. If you love someone, tell them the truth. And they might, you, listen, Jesus made a lot of people mad. If you're going to live for God, you're going to make some people mad. Maybe you ought to make your kids mad a little bit longer. I, th I think watching some of them, they need to be made mad. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm meddling now. 1 Corinthians 5. Now, now, now whew. come on, Jesus, help me out. Verse 6, your glorying is not good. Do you not know a little leaven leavens a whole lump? A little sin will mess you up. Purge out the old leaven so you'll be a new lump. Since you truly are unleavened, for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with a leaven of malice and wickedness, but with a leavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my epistle, do not keep company with sexually immoral people. Now we've had a few in this church. And I never told you who they were. We had a homosexual came in one day, got him born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. I never told you who he was. You didn't need to know. It's none of your concern. He needed a chance to, to get out and to grow in God and walk with God, and I left it alone. But we've had men come in, and, and, and I mean hit on women. I mean, women come to me and go, you will not believe what that man said to me. And I go to him, and I go, you ain't doing that here. Not in this church. And I will kindly show you the front door. Say, that's a good pastor. <laughs> Yet I certainly did not mean for the sexually immoral people of the world or with the covenants or extortioners or idolaters since you would have to go out of the whole world. But now I have written to you, don't keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral, covetous, idolater, reviler, drunkard, extortioner, don't even eat with them, and certainly don't vote for them. Why would you do that? Why would you vote for someone who's pro-gay? Do you, I'm not going to, listen, I'm not going to do it. I, I will not do this because it's, it's beyond my dignity to do it. Have you ever thought about what two men are doing? I mean, you ought to just think about it a few minutes and tell me God did that? I don't think so. And why are we voting for it at all? That is absolutely perverse, wicked, nasty. We ought not even have to bring it up in church at all. 
much less talk to Christians to quit voting for them. It's their platform. I didn't write the platform. I'm getting all fired up. I need to calm down. What do I have to do with judging those that are outside? Do you not judge those that are inside? Yes. Those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, you put that person out of your church. That's called judgment, folks. You and I are supposed to be judging. You're supposed to look at that and go, that ain't right. So this girl writes me this letter and said, who are you to judge? Well, I didn't write the Bible. I'm not condemning you, darling, but I'm telling you, you are going to hell. That's another subject we just don't ever talk about. But it's reality, folks. I mean, do you know how many people right now run around, I'm gay and proud and Christian? No, you're not. This Kavanaugh thing that went on, what in the Sam Hill... Do we have people who are pro-homosexual attacking a man for touching a girl's boobie? <laughs> I told you this Sunday morning. I mean, I'm sorry. It's just, a, I mean, I mean, listen, this is just absolute stupid. He touched them. Hey, listen, if y'all want to set that as a standard, let's make everybody in Washington pass the test. I would love it. Baby, we'll put all of you on polygraph. The problem is there wouldn't be but about 10 people left. What a zoo. There used to be a person was innocent until proven guilty. Oh, I could say some stuff. I got to back away now. I got to back away. I had a girl in Tulsa accuse me of raping her. Y'all didn't know this. I used to go off every day and pray alone in the apartment. And the detective came to me one day and says, are you Daryl Morgan? And read me my amenda rights. And I said, are you serious? That day, my former boss invited me to lunch. And I was so angry because I got there at 11 and I was there till 3 and I lost so many hours of work. God took care of me. I was, when he said, where were you this day? The head of the Chamber of Commerce's wife, I was having lunch with her. And the former employees, not a woman. I went, oh, thank you, Jesus. Well, it couldn't have been me. I wasn't there. Well, what happens when someone accuses you of something? And you have, oh, I was off alone praying. I, I wouldn't be here right now. Because, listen, if you think that's funny, you, there are men in jail today because someone accused them of something and they didn't do it. And today, you're guilty till you can prove your innocence. And, folks, it's time for us to, we, we cannot let that start happening in this nation. I don't care what your political agenda is. All right, let me finish reading this. 
chapter 6, verse 1. Darian, if you have a matter against a brother, go to law before the unrighteous and not before saints. Don't you know the saints will judge the world? And if the world is going to be judged by you, are you not unworthy to judge the smallest matter? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to judge? I say this to your shame. Is it so there's not even one wise among you, not even one who's able to judge between his brethren? The church should judge. We've had situations in this church where I've had to call people in my office and get other mature believers and fix a problem. Because it's one thing when it's a personality conflict with me. It's your personality, Pastor. Well, you're taking girls to the movies and calling it a youth function is not my personality conflict, son. And you've got to have some people in your office with you that have some maturity and brains that are not related to the perpetrator. Because he does no wrong. That's why he screwed up today. Mama never whooped his little backside. Y'all want to pastor a church? I'll give it to you. I'll just give this job to you. Maybe I need a raise. Hallelujah. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? This would make a good movie. I would call it The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Most of you are good. There's a couple of bad, just a few ugly folk around, but that's not too many. <laughs> that's my pre Jesus days. Okay. Verse 6 Brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. Now, therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why don't you just rather accept the wrong? Why would I not rather let yourself be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat. You do these things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. The movie Lisa and I used to watch on television, the two guys that um, did flipping, um, they, they got kicked off of television because they were Christians. They sat down with a gay guy one day and read him that scripture, and he said, I'm going to hell. And they said, yes, you are. And he said, I don't want to. And they said, would you want to pray? And they, he said, yes. And he got born again. He repented and got saved. How are you ever going to learn the truth if someone doesn't read it to you? Well, there was a chance that he'd get mad about it. Well, get mad about it. Okay. Romans 1. I don't have time to do all of these, but I'm going to do enough of them so that you'll understand. The Bible condemns it. Not the people, but the act. 116. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress 
the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. God has shown it to them. Is there such a thing as an atheist? No. No such thing as an atheist. Every person you know that doesn't, that's not a Christian is not a Christian because they don't believe in God or Jesus. They're not a Christian because they don't want him to be the Lord of their life and they don't want to stop sinning. That's the reason they're not a Christian. Because he just got through. So I'm going to prove it to you. The next time you have someone that doesn't believe in Jesus or God, ask them where they live and when they will not be home. If they say, why are you asking me that? So, well, I'm going to come get your television. And they'll say, that's stealing. You go, no, don't go scriptures to me. And if they say, no, I was kidding. They say, no, you're lying. Oh, now you're quoting more scriptures to me. And you're talking about lying. Are you, are, isn't it amazing that all of these people that were jumping on Kavanaugh know right from wrong, but yet they themselves are wicked to the core? That's, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty tough, isn't it? Let's finish reading this. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God. Neither were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish heart was darkened. They professed to be wise. They became fools. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man, birds and four-footed animals, creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to uncleanness, the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. Even their women exchanged the natural use for what's against nature. Men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do things that are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of murder, strife, deceit, evil-minded. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boast. Is it okay to read the Bible in church? I didn't know. It just... I, just, I didn't know. I thought this might be depressing some of y'all. Because we're not talking about, oh, happy day. Never mind. Undiscerned. Oh, oh, I forgot one good one. Eat disobedient to parents. You know, we could fix that with a belt. Amen. Just ask your kids what size they want. Undiscerned. <laughs> undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those that practice such things are deserving of death, not only do them, they approve those who practice them. Now, we could go on and on and on. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 4 now. Pretty good for a one-hour sermon in the morning, isn't it? Poor Lisa, she had to put up with me waking up at four in the, 5 in the morning, going in there and spending time with God. She probably finally got to sleep then. 
Genesis 4.1, Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bore Cain and have acquired a man from the Lord. She again bore in this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel brought of the firstborn of the flock and of their fat. The Lord respected Abel and his offering. He did not respect Cain and his offering. Cain was very angry, very mad. He got so mad, he started throwing a fit in the city. He got on television, started ranting and raving, started burning down, breaking in buildings, cussing, shooting people. Cain was very angry. Why are people angry? I'm going to show you why they're angry. So God said, his countenance fell, and the Lord said, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, you will be accepted. All right, we're being commanded now to accept a lifestyle that's ungodly. You accept me. No, I'm not going to accept your lifestyle. My answer is, if you want to be accepted, do right. Now, let me talk to the kids in this church for a few minutes. If you want to be accepted, do right. Go back and find a book called Manners. I got to tell you this. Tony and Lynn Wilson's son, when we were having the other day, he is so polite. Came up to me and said, Pastor Morgan, may I go get, would you like something to drink? I'm going to tell you, do you know how long it's been since a kid offered to go get me? That's just, I sat there and looked and I said, whoa, kid, you got some manners. Yeah, I don't even want to talk to Lynn how she, had, how she pulled that off. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? When your kids do right. Listen, if you want to be accepted, why don't you do right? Why Why don't you act right? Run around and everybody's supposed to like you. Maybe nobody wants to like you. Maybe I don't like you. If you want to be liked, change so someone will enjoy being around you. God said, listen, if, if you want to be accepted, all you've got to do is do what's right. I have noticed that the cops don't whoop near as many people that do what they say. One more time. People in authority don't usually have a problem. Now, I understand that man might be a carnal. But you sass him, he might slap you upside your head. And he tells you to put your hands on the wheel, put your hands on the wheel. If he tells you to get out, yes, sir, get out of the car. If not, he might drag you out. That's not police brutality. That's called stupid. Are you out there? Did you go home? If you do right, you will be accepted. And we need to quit giving kids competition awards because you showed up nobody cares you showed up you played today we're going to give you a certificate no you lost you played football and you lost the other team beat you 
You are not getting a reward. You got beat. But you are going to be on the field next week and the coach is going to work you harder than you've ever been worked in your life because he don't like losing. You ain't getting a certificate for showing up. You get a certificate for winning. And if you didn't make an A, they ain't giving you an A. You want an A, you study and make an A. We ain't grading on a curve because you ignorant. God bless school teachers today. God bless school teachers. Help me. Don't ask me to do it. You would not want to see your child when he got home. It's not my t- <laughs> Poor little baby. Where were we? <laughs> yeah, Jude, Jude chapter 1. And let's, 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 let's make another change after this. Jude chapter 1, verse 5. I want to read a couple more of these. I want to remind you, though, you once knew it, the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt. You know, one day... Can we come in here and talk about eternal security? Because I'm going to tell you all a little secret. There ain't no such a thing. If you think there is, you can't read. If you think that God will not honor you falling away from God. Are you all out there? It is a choice. And you still have a choice. Now, God's not leaving you. And he never said nothing about you leaving him. And if you want to walk with God, it's a choice, and it's not going to be easy to do it. You swimming upstream. All right, that's enough of that. I want to remind you, though, you once knew it, the people having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterwards destroyed those who didn't believe. And the angels who didn't keep their proper domain but in their own abode, he reserved an everlasting change under darkness for the judgment of that great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around in a similar manner having given themselves over to sexual immorality and going after strange fests, are set forth as an example. So what did God blow them up for? So you'd know what he thinks of it. There's a hole there full of salt to kill all of the wickedness that was in the ground. What's he going to do in the last days? He's going to blow it up again. There's a day that the age of grace, it will come to an end. We are right now, and and this is another sermon for another day. I want to come in here one Sunday and spend two or three weeks on how close we are to Jesus returning. It is very, very close. It would behoove you to get ready for his return. And not everybody's going just because you go to church. All right. Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire, likewise, these are dreamers. They defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. A dignitary is a spiritual authority. I don't like what the pastor said. We don't care. All right. Proverbs chapter 6. That's homosexuality. Let's look at abortion. Abortion is not birth control. What about a woman's rights? You have the right to not have sex. Yeah, but what about if it's rape? Have the baby and give it away. 
Murder is murder. God called it murder, and it will be murder forever. And you, just because you change the name of it doesn't mean it's not murder. Planned Parenthood. Go, I want you to go online, and I want you to find out what I'm saying is true. And if I'm wrong, you come back and show me, and I'll stand up in front of this church, and, and I'll apologize to everybody. In. We started to eliminate black people. That was the reason it was started. They put it in black neighborhoods to get rid of unwanted people. And Spanish. Undesirables. People not worthy to live. That's what started it. Why are you voting for that? Why are you putting your name on the guys that are pro-Planned Parenthood? What do you think they started it for? It was racial from the beginning, and it's still racial today. Go back, I mean, go back and just read it online. They'll tell you. And Hillary Clinton is the queen of Planned Parenthood. Thank God she's not in office. You may not like Trump, but I'll guarantee you he's better than that, the wicked witch of the north. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Now, I have no idea why people vote the way they do. You, you befuddle me because I'm thinking, I don't think I would vote that way if I knew that was why that was started to kill me. And it's working. Ooh, Okay. Someone, do we have, we have any security? You may want to guard me on the way out. <laughs> Proverbs six sixteen. These six things I hate. Seven are an abomination. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. That's a human being in that womb. That's a person. Sign your name on that ticket, and you just sign the murder of babies. Now go to Ezekiel 38, 33, I think. What is Baal worship? What was it Elijah was fighting? What is Baal worship? Do you even know what it was? It was the sacrifice of babies. There's Baal worship in America today. It's Baal worship. Planned Parenthood is Baal worship. Thank you. You might, you might be just finding out, oh my God, I had no idea whose side I was on. Well, that's why God told me to get up here. Ezekiel, I think chapter 3, right? Oh, Lord. Did I do that right, baby? I don't want an amber alert because of somebody. A red Altima has been stolen in Seminole County like we care. All right. <laughs> I, I never have mine, but I had it today because I wanted to read what that girl said. All right. Are y'all ready for this? Are you ready? Ezekiel 3, 16. It came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came and said, Son of man, 
I made you a watchman over the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that wicked man will die in his iniquity and his blood. I will require it at your hand. I'm going to ask you all a question. Not only are you not supposed to be voting for these idiots, you're supposed to be saying something about it. You're not supposed to be sitting around the dinner table going, you're voting for so-and-so, yeah, hallelujah. You better open your mouth. You better pull the Bible out and go, uh, why are you doing that? Oh, listen, well, I might get persecuted. I prayed for him. He didn't tell you to pray. He said, say. Come on, I'm going to show you in a minute. I'm going to show you some more in a minute. Just, we got work to do, don't we? Verse 19, if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked way, you'll die. He will die in his iniquity, but you delivered your soul. Now, now he's going to talk about a righteous man. And when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he's going to die. Because you did not give him warning, he's going to die in his sin. And his righteousness, which he has done, will not be remembered. Wow. But his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man, and the righteous man should not sin, and he does not sin, he will will live because he took warning, and you delivered your soul. And I'm going to read something to you from Tony Cook, Mr. Mild Manor Tony Cook. He said, if a bridge is out, do you warn people? Yes, you do. Paul, the apostle in Acts 18. Don't go there. Just listen to me as I read. He said, but they opposed and insulted him. And Paul shook the dust from his clothes. And he said, your blood is on your own heads. I am innocent. He's preaching. They rejected his preaching. And he said, I am innocent of your blood. What's he talking about? He's talking about that scripture. Are we responsible to preach this gospel? You better believe we are. Are we responsible for righteousness? You better believe we are. Don't shout me down. That means it's my job to tell you right from wrong. What you do after today, listen, I I gave you the message from God. Now your blood's on your head. I just delivered myself. Paul is talking again in Acts 20. He said, therefore, I testify to you this day, I am innocent of the blood of all men. I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. How did he deliver himself? By preaching truth. Now you say, but I'm not called to be a preacher. Oh, yeah, you are. You're an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ and you're a Christian and God thoroughly expects you to live right. I got a whole lot more. I want to read a couple of quotes, one from William Booth. I consider that the chief dangers which confront the coming century will be a religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, and politics without God, and heaven without a hell. And it is. In America today, most churches are a dog and pony show. 
The preacher ain't going to say anything that will upset you. Billy Graham. Is it okay to quote Billy Graham? No one spoke more about hell than Jesus. And the hell he came to save men from was not only a hell on earth, but something to come. I am conscious of the fact that the subject of hell is not a pleasant one. It is very unpopular, controversial, and misunderstood. And as a minister, I must deal with it. I cannot ignore it. Billy Graham. How do you go through life without looking at someone and saying, there's a hell, sweetheart. Hey, honey. There's a hell. You, listen, I'm not here to tell you you can't have your girlfriend. I'm just telling you you're going to hell. And if you want to get out of going to hell, you might want to repent of sin. And you can love me for telling you that because I love you. Or I wouldn't have said it to you. That's not being judgmental, guys. All right. C.S. Lewis. He wrote The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Real nice guy. Scripture, and especially our Lord's own words, it has always been held by the Christian church and has the support of reason. All Scripture. No doctrine that I would more willfully remove from Christianity than, oh, I didn't read all that. I read it out of order. No doctrine which I would more willingly remove from Christianity than the doctrine of hell. If it lay in my power, it has the support of Scripture, especially our Lord's own words. It has always been held by the Christian church, and it has the support of reason. Is there people going? Yes. I'm aware of everywhere I go all the time looking at people and thinking, they don't know the Lord. That person doesn't know the Lord. And I ask God all the time, open up a door. Let me talk to them for a minute. Sometimes he does. Sometimes I just stand there and pray. But I use every available source I can. Why do you think that when I first started pastoring this church, I was going all the time? To Russia, to India, to Africa. I was preaching. In, in Russia, 500 people. Every person in the service came forward and got born again. 500 people in one service. Was it worth it? Yes. And, and listen, the doctor had just turned me, just let me out of the hospital. I took Jordan. I never told him why I took him. I took him in case I died to bring my body back. I had given them my word I was coming, and I kept it. I was either sleeping or preaching. I was so weak, I could barely keep my head up. And yet I was preaching, and people were getting saved. Everywhere I went, people were getting born again. Folks, there's people here, you can't even get out of bed on Sunday morning if it's raining. That's sad. Anyway, I'm meddling now. Isaiah 61. Let's close on a good note. Woo, I thought the whole thing was a good note. Are you guys ready to, you guys, we're in a fight. We're going we're gonna to take communion in a minute, and then we're going to pray over America. And tonight, we're going to pray over America. We're going to pray over this nation. Because you have the God-given right to approach God for your country. We're going to pray good men in and bad men out. The last election, whether you agreed with anything that happened in it or not, was God changing America. He had to put a bowl in the china closet to he had to put someone with some backbone in office to kick backside. You couldn't buy him. And yes, he's rough around the edges. 
but so was Paul and Jesus. I'm sorry to pop y'all's bubble. <laughs> he said a bad word. I said a few myself. I repented. I have an attitude. I know that. My wife tells me, stop doing it. Stop. I hadn't listened to nothing she said. I want to show you America. I want to show you the church in the Bible. I want to show you what we're praying for. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise and shine. Your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth. Deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you. His glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles, that's the unbelievers, shall come to your light. And the kings to the brightness of your rising. The church in America is headed to the largest revival in the history of the church. Now, my sermon that I had planned was Samson rising. That was my sermon until five. And I wanted to show you that it wasn't his hair. It was his consecration. He gave his heart to the world. God sent Samson into the world because God loves the sinner. And so he was doing right. But he wasn't supposed to fall in love with her. Do you understand the difference? But he gave her his heart. When the church gave the world their heart, we lost our power. And when we get our hair back, our consecration to God back, and remember what Jesus did and how he got you where you are. And at the last of his life, he began to remember what God had used him for and how he had used him to deliver Israel. And he said, I've got my hair back. That wasn't hair. It was because he could feel it. He could re- then he started remembering how powerful God was in his life. When you and I go back and start remembering how powerful God was, what he did for you, he saved you from hell. He were born again, gave you joy in the Holy Ghost. You and I are going to have to say no to sin and turn back to God if we want to see the power of God. So Samson is rising again in the last days and we're going to see it in this church and around America. But in the meantime, we are in a fight for the soul of this nation. Now, if you came in here today and you're a registered Democrat, I love you. I I realize that there are people who don't know, and there are some people who don't care. That's fine with me. But I love you to pieces. If I didn't, I wouldn't preach this. You're parents. Have you ever told your kids stuff they didn't like? I hope so. I got to tell you a story. My sister Nancy has a daughter. And uh, she took a baseball bat and popped Ashley with it. And I took the baseball bat and she looked at me. She says, you spank me, I'll tell my mom. Her name's Chastity. I said, I'm fixing to spank you. 
and when your mom gets here, I'm going to spank her too. <laughs> for not spanking you. You can't let kids run around popping each other in the head with baseball bats. You got to whip a fire out of them. And every once in a while, you guys need a spanking. <laughs> you feel spanked? You're welcome. I love this nation. My God, it's not perfect, but I've been... If you think socialism's good, I'll take you overseas. Young people, listen. It has never worked in the history of this earth. It has never worked one time. Why would it work here? Why would you even want it? Oh, Lord, help us. Let me pray before we take communion. Father God... I have absolutely preached my heart out. And I avoided this sermon. I, you know I did. I avoided it for weeks. And I really just would have, I'd rather take a beating and get up here and preach this. But then again, I understand the wisdom. I love this nation. I love this church. love the people in it. We've made mistakes in the past. Some of us hadn't voted at all. Some of us voted wrong. Some of us just, well, you know. But not today. We're going to get our act together. We're going to sit down on a ballot, and we're going to look at that, and we're going to look at the men and the women. We're going to find out where they are, where they know God, where they walk with God, and what do they stand for. Party is not the issue, Papa God. I'm going to vote in the Bible. I'm going to vote righteously. I'm going to make sure I've done everything in my power to make sure that everybody I put into office has got our interest as a nation, and they're moral, and they're integrous. I didn't say they're perfect. I just said they're integrous. They're willing, they're willing to change, willing to be corrected. And they're pro-Bible, they're pro-Word. I pray everybody in the sound of my voice would do the same. I pray that if, if I said something today that if I said it and upset them, then I apologize. But if I said what you said and they got upset, then I leave that to you, Father. But I pray every one of us in this room would make the adjustments we need to make in our life, in our homes, in our families. And stop running around being ignorant of what's going on in the world. There's too, there's too much at stake. And I ask you to bless this church and the people in it. Father God, put the good men in office. Help us vote the right ones in office. And get the wicked ones out. Get them out of Washington. Get them out of there. Get the corruption out of there. Help turn this nation. We have a gospel to be preached and there will come a day when we'll give it to them. We'll be out of here. But I'm asking you to help us. Help us with this country. To leave a nation to our children. That they're not afraid to walk the streets in. Being snatched off the streets and sold as sex slaves. We could go on and on, Father. But I think that we understand. I pray right now over our prayer meeting tonight that Shirley's going to lead. Holy Spirit, help us pray. Help us pray. Help us pray for our country, our president, over the people that are in it. We give you praise and honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and pass the communion elements. We're going to take communion.
Now, I'm not asking you for an applaud. Because isn't it amazing when you don't? I'll come over here and preach. Pastors in this nation are going to have to get in their pulpits and start doing this. We need it. I need it. Tonight, pray for Andrew Walmack. Pray for Kenneth Copeland. I thank God these men are going on television and have the backbone to show people what's going on. If you are of African-American descent, I will tell you a secret. 33% increase in being Republican. Now, am I, am I saying be a Republican? No, just be a Christian. Now, why is that? Because I think they're getting tired of being lied to. And I think they're getting tired of being used. God good everybody served remember Samson's hair he remembered communion is a time to remember you can only be saved once but you can remember that day you can go back and say God Thank you for the blood. It was the blood that did it. It was the blood. I read an article one time that Smith Wigglesworth took communion every morning. And I got to thinking, maybe we should take communion more often. But you don't have to wait to do it in church. All it is is a time for you to sit and remember the blood of Jesus. I just preached a powerful sermon. I'm going to ask that some of you that have been not doing right to repent. Change. Change what you've been doing and repent of it. And go get it under the blood and say, Heavenly Father, from this day forward, I'll vote righteously and I'll live righteously and I'll speak up. Now, the wonderful news about the blood is that you can only be saved once, but you can put your past behind you every morning. And say, that didn't go so good yesterday, God. Let's start over again. <laughs> So get your cup in your hand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. We've sang songs about it, and I love it. We have come to pride it, prize it, appreciate it, and esteem it highly. The blood that flowed in your veins that was poured out on Calvary. And before the mercy seat of God that was the judgment seat so that we could be made righteous. It is by your blood and only your blood that we've been made a righteous people. And we are one people. We're not three or four or five different races. We're one people. We're a family. And Father God, we ask you right now as we take this communion element, and we come before you and remember that it was because of the blood that we stand before you holy. There are people in the room right now, Father, that are looking back on their past and going, I need to make changes. Receive their prayers, make a change, and restore them the joy that belongs to them. If they need healing, heal, heal their bodies. 
If they need mercy, have mercy on them. And Father God, we rejoice in everything you did until you return. And we give you thanks for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Now, if sin's done away with, there's no reason for sickness. I'm going to pray over sickness different than you've ever heard. Jesus never prayed for anybody. He never prayed for a soul. Did he? He stood up publicly and took authority over it. And I'm fixing to do that right this minute. If you came in here sick, I'm fixing to tell your sickness it's going to go. From this moment forward, you will recover. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we're coming to the time of communion where we talk about the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your body was broken so mine didn't have to be. You bore my sins and my sickness in your flesh. That means that it's wrong for me to pay the debt twice. But we know this. We've preached this. We believe this. But now we're going to add something to it. Sickness? I speak to you in Jesus' name. Spirit of infirmities, in the sound of my voice, I speak to you in Jesus' name. You go, you loose your assignment from the people that you've attached yourself to in this congregation now. Whether it's cancer, leukemia, no whether it's blindness or deafness, no matter what it is in their bodies, arthritis, I come against you in Jesus' name. Everything that's under the curse of the law, we come against you in the name of Jesus and say we forbid you to operate against this church. Now we remind you, Father, where you said, by his stripes we're the healed. So we declare, you said if we ask anything according to your will, you hear us. And we know you heard us. And so now we take the bread and thanksgiving that by the stripes of Jesus I was healed and I am. And everybody say, I am am. recovering in Jesus' name. Say, sickness, disease cannot stay on me. Amen. Go ahead and take this. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.